Well, it's uh, a real joy to welcome Mike and Lauren Dybert here uh, this morning, and they're going to give uh, give us an update on what's going on, and then we're going to see a little video, and then uh, we're going to have some Q&A and give you all a chance to ask questions as well about their work in Nicaragua. So let's pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, we thank you that indeed your grace is sufficient for us. Lord, guard our hearts against uh, self-righteousness but that we would be open to the prompting of your spirit and that we might be given hearts uh, to love you and to trust in you. And so, Lord, we thank you for those whom you have called into the mission field, especially Mike and Lauren and their family. We pray that you would continue to sustain them and to equip them. And, Lord, uh, that we would uh, have uh, the burden of their labors, which we share in upon our hearts as we lift them up uh, before your throne of grace. Holy Spirit, be with us in the midst of our time this morning. And lead us, guide us, and have us to hear a word from you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, thank you for coming this morning, and thank you for letting us share with you what God is doing in Nicaragua. Um, For those of you, I know a lot of you here, but for those of you who don't know us, my name is Mike. This is my wife, Lauren Divert. I am originally from Ohio, and uh, first of all, I want to give a shout out to my in-laws. I am an Ohio State fan. And last night, you probably don't even know there was another game on besides the Alabama game, but there was, and my in-laws let me watch it in the house, my own little corner of the house, so thank you to Dr. and Barbara Partridge for letting me do that. Um, Lauren and I run a vocational school in Managua, Nicaragua. We've been doing that for about 13 years, and we're going to share a little bit um, about that with you today, and uh, Lauren is actually going to start... Um, Talking about that? Am I on? Yeah. All right. Um, So in order to tell what we do, um, I kind of want to give you kind of context of Nicaragua. What's going on there so that you can understand why we chose the route we chose. And um, I just want to say it is a pleasure to be here um, and and a privilege to be a part of this church. I remember standing out there waiting for my parents to come out of class, and I was about seven years old, and I really thought all of you were really beautiful and handsome and had it all together, so it's humbling to be up here and not have it together. Um, But you still look like you all do, so good job. Um, So, context of, of Nicaragua. So it is the second poorest country in the Western Hemisphere, second to Haiti. Um, it is a very disaster and war-torn country. You kind of remember that whole battle during the 80s. Um, and so what, what has happened is you have a lot of leaderless families because most of the older generation died off during that war in the 80s. And so there's a huge population of youth and then no real fathers or mothers or um, leaders to, to guide them and walk through. Um, it's a very corrupt government. Ortega's back in power, and you can feel it. And um, beyond that, you kind of have two schemes of churches there. Um, 85% Catholic, 15% Evangelical. There is not a human that you talk to in Nicaragua who says they do not believe in God. Um, but the churches are very focused on rules, both the Catholic side and the Evangelical side. Um, and in addition to that, Economically speaking, it's 45% underemployment. Um, so that means people pretty much have one or two days a week where they're working and then other, other times not. Um, so that's kind of those, those basic facts. 
that's kind of what you see when you arrive. Um, and then you live there a while, right? And so we've been there. Mike has been there 13 years. I have been there 10. When you first get there, that's what you see, the, the economics, the battle on that sense. Um, and then you learn Spanish a little more and a little more and a little more, and then you walk alongside of people a little longer. And then what you see underneath everything is a spiritual poverty, um, which is what we would see in ourselves, right? I mean, that's, that's underneath everything at core in the United States. That's underneath everything at core in Nicaragua. It just looks a little different there. Um, and so what we came to see among the people is that there's a worldview that's very different um, than what we see here. Um, obviously, as Christians, we want a biblical world, worldview, everything to be framed by what God says in his word. Um, but in the United States, we're primarily secularist. Um, so while we're Christians in this room, that secular worldview touches our lives, right? Um, we think differently about money. We think differently about, you know, what constitutes the way to live and what education should look like. And all that is framed partly by um, God's word and then partly by the family culture we've had and the country culture we've had. So in Nicaragua, they have a very different one, which is called animistic. Um, it's very fatalist. So a typical Nicaraguan, while a believer in some sense in Christ, is going to have a sense that God is um, sort of a punishing God and that he's very distant. You can't really have a personal relationship with him, but you need to try to please him. Um, in addition, they don't have a strong sense of value of themselves. So we're kind of like over on the self-esteem spectrum over here in the U.S. And then in Nicaragua, there's less of that sense um, that the individual has value and purpose and is created specifically and knit in the womb for a specific purpose. Um, so that sense of, of real value and, and purpose is something that a, a typical Nicaraguan wouldn't have. We have it too much here in the U.S., and they have perhaps too little of it there. So when we see all these things, um, and you see that there's kind of an underlying spiritual poverty, um, there are kind of two schemes of, of looking at missions, right? A lot of people look at missions as sort of a relief sense. So you're, you're going to, they are poor, let's, let's build them houses, let's get the education going, um, let's pour in that way. And there is a place for that. Um, but I would, I would argue that Nicaragua is not that battleground at this point in its life. It needs more of the development side because that spiritual poverty is then feeding into everything else. Um, so with that, kind of thinking through, okay, there's the spiritual poverty. How do we answer? Um, the key that has come forth, and I think Andrew in many ways kind of reiterated that in his sermon today, um, the key is relationships. So why is it that families are the way to evangelize? It's because it's messy, and it's a real, broken, vulnerable relationship. And so, ultimately, we felt that God was calling us to a real relationship with Nicaraguans, so that long, you know each other for eight years, they see your mess, you see theirs, and slowly those two cultures kind of coming at each other, we've, we've shaped each other and transformed. Um, and because my man here is a blacksmith by trade, that was kind of our vehicle, was... Um, teaching blacksmithing and vocational education, but ultimately letting it be about those relationships which would shape hearts. So 
Mike's going to tell you kind of where we went from there and the vocational stuff. So Laura and I both got to Nicaragua by way of education. Um, we both taught at the Nicaragua Christian Academy. I taught high school history, and Lauren taught um, high school English. I was there actually a couple years before she was there. Um, she came after I did. She fell madly in love. Um, you, I did. Yeah, okay. I was, I was just checking. Um, after teaching high school history for a while, I, I really love teaching. I do love teaching a lot. Um, I kind of felt called to do something differently, and a friend of mine said, hey, why don't you teach some something else? And so I thought, well, you know, I'm, I was kind of a, a blacksmith by hobby. I love it. I love working with my hands. I, I also have a degree in art, and so uh, that kind of art and education thing went together. Um, my mission had a, an empty building in a small town called Los Brasiles, out, um, just outside of Manawa, and the mission said, well, you guys can use that. And so I had this em- big empty building, and I took some welders out there. I had a, a forge, a couple anvil, um, an anvil and a couple hammers, and a relationship with the pastor, which is probably the most important thing. And um, I told the pastor, his name was Tomas, I said, can you round up some, some young men and, and ladies, whoever wants to try their hand at, at blacksmithing? Um, I, I saw this as my way of, of building relationships. And I started teaching 24 guys two times a day, a um, couple girls, and just started teaching blacksmithing and forging, and we would make some things, talk about... Christ and love and relationship and it was it was great and we did this for probably about four years and many people came alongside and saw what we were doing and helped us develop a, a bigger program and I had this dream as kind of a, a vision for something even much bigger and within after five years of, of teaching in a small community a couple of people said hey we want to help you and so we they, I shared my, the dream of having a vocational center, and we took the, the idea into Manawa, a little more centralized, and developed a vocational program. And so what it is now, it is um, a, both a high school and then we have an apprenticeship program. So two days a week we're dedicated to teaching high school youth, um, but not only blacksmithing. We have um, courses in blacksmithing, carpentry, welding, auto mechanics, sewing, cooking, art, and, and that's it. And then the other three days of the week, we're dedicated to teaching two or three guys at a time, depending, um, all day for the, for the whole entire day. And we work on, we work on projects. Um, a lot of, because we were part of a bigger mi- a mission organization, we have to do a lot of uh, building of gates and doors and uh, furniture, things like that. So we use those projects to help the young men uh, learn skills. So they're um, taking over right now. Two pages. <laughs> All right. So, so Nicaragua Christian Academy has taken over their portion of the um, vocational school at this point, which is awesome because that's Nicaraguan leadership taking over um, kind of what we cast a vision for, they've bought into. So they're running that part, and then Mike's going to tell you about Ramon. Yeah, the- well, what, what Lauren is saying is it's kind of been our, our, our understanding the whole time we've been there, knowing that we have to give this over at some point. At some point, this has to be Nicaraguan run. We can't be there doing this forever. We want them to be the leadership in, within their own community. And um, about a year ago, we started sharing this with the high school we're, we're a part of. 
And they really, they really went for it, and they understood. And, and the tuition they're charging now is actually enough to cover a lot of things. And we've just been thrilled with their um, eagerness to take over the program um, in, in time, not quite yet. But we're actually getting ready to hand the whole thing over to them probably here in, in a few months. Um, one of our greatest successes within this has been the teachers that we've developed, uh, especially one young man. His name is Ramon. Um, he, is, uh, he came to me as a, just a very humble guy. He was a welder. And as we spent three or four or five years with him, teaching, understanding that he really had a heart to teach. He has a heart for Christ. He's probably one of the most humble people you're ever going to meet. And we really started pouring into him. And after some time, his skills got so good. He was, I, I, I'm a member of the American Bladesmith Society. He is as well. And he, he just recently got his journeyman uh, rating with the American Bladesmith Society. He had to travel to the States. He had to pass a, a rigorous test. Um, and you should just see him. He's walking on air right now. As he's done something that most no one in Central America has ever done before, and that's uh, achieved this rating. Um, one really interesting thing about um, the program, as we've been talking with um, other Latin American missions, there there are a lot of Latin American missions who are sending missionaries to the Middle East. Um, and as in the dean's class a few weeks ago, you were mentioning that I believe about sending people to the Muslim world. Um, we're talking with uh, other missions groups who are sending these people, and Ramon really wants to be the teacher to teach these people skills so they can go there and then have a skill to teach. You know, They're not going there as Christians. They're going there as you know, either teachers or mentors or things like that, that Ramon is, wants to be a person to teach those skills. Um, what they're finding is the success rate for sending Latin American people into the Muslim world is, is much higher than sending someone like us there. Um, reason being, um, first, the way they look the lives that they've lived are more similar um, in terms of kind of living on that equator spectrum and then just the, the way they live economically. And then in addition to that, um, they can get in, right? So because a Nicaraguan can get in very easily with a visa to a Muslim country, um, whereas we would have a battle with that. And then um, one of the rules or policies in a Muslim country is you are not allowed to mention Christ or God unless you are asked. And so... What they found is they need to have a skill when they go so that that's sort of their platform at first. And then by the way they live, eventually somebody asks, as we pray that somebody always would ask us, um, what's different about you? What, what's going on here? Um, and so that is the, new, is the platform. It's kind of teaching this technical skill in a Muslim country and then letting that lead to the question that we want, want asked. So Ramon is hoping through Missionary Ventures Latin America, to, to teach welding and blacksmithing to then t- take these Latin American missionaries over to the Middle East. And there are some missionaries there currently, um, and so we're, that's a step that's already been taken. It's very exciting. Another thing that we're really looking forward to, um, as we've developed this vocational center, we're still, we're still seeing a lack of um, a, the ability to reach more young people within Manawa because we actually live a little bit outside and we're in talks with some other missions organizations, um, some Baptist organizations who really want to see this happen as well. And so they are hopefully taking our model and making it much, much bigger. And so we're very excited that, at that possibility. Okay. Um, and then one other, mainly I'm raising three boys all day, which is wild and chaotic, but one of the other things... I do, I do some things. <laughs> yeah, you do. <laughs> um, I, but one of the 
the additional things I do is work with a ministry called Nueva Mahen, which means new image, and it's um, women who are transitioning out of prostitution, which is, um, there's, there's a lot of that in Nicaragua. And um, it's Nicaraguan-led, and I just sort of walk beside them and teach some vocational classes as well. Um, so when you see those pictures, it's, it's those beautiful women. Um, about eight different women a year, just kind of walking with them um, as they're beginning to trust God again and, and believe that he created them um, to, to worship and glorify him. Okay, so the now. Um, this is kind of our, our big um, announcement, I guess. As we have been praying over the last year um, where God wants us in all this, um, we've been feeling the same restlessness that we felt once when we were in the United States that called us to Nicaragua. We're feeling that same restlessness again. Um, And we know that there is only peace where God calls us to be. And it has become clear over the last year that that God is calling us away from Nicaragua. Um, And we believe back to the United States. I think, you know, it, it sort of feels like when John the Baptist said, I must become more, so he, I, I must become less so he can become more. Um, it feels like that a little bit because we find that what is successful in Nicaragua is when we're, we're out of the way, when they're running the show, when they're the leaders. Um, so it's kind of been that sense that John the Baptist got to plant the vision and then let Jesus do the work. Um, and I feel like we have had such the privilege of planning that vision, um, and then they have taken it. They've taken their reins on this. Um, so we're going to spend probably another six months there and then come back here in June. Um, and in those six months, we'll be helping Nueva Mahan to continue and then walking with Ramon as he, he begins to lead this thing. Um, in addition to that, we're very excited for our children to be with cousins and aunts and grandparents most especially um and yeah to walk that road and then you know the other honest answer is we are we're weary a little bit you know 13 years 10 years um it's a lot of pouring out it is a blessing but it is a lot of pouring out and not much pouring in um so we are also weary um and you can be praying for that um but we're excited we're excited that that they're ready um to run this show and that they believe um, in their God to carry this thing on. Um, So we're going to, in a second, just give you a video, but I just wanted to say thanks to two people, my mom and dad right here, um, yeah, who've believed in us and trusted their God with us and trusted their God with their grandchildren, which was no easy feat, and then to Becky Rothrock, um, who... I don't know if y'all know, but she checks in with us all the time and asks all the questions that we wish people would ask. Phone bills. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and we are incredibly thankful for her. So what we're going to do is just show you a quick, I think it's like three-minute video. Um, so for you visual learners out there, you can see kind of what you've been a part of. And then, um, yeah, we'll open it to questions after that.
Now that you and the Holy Spirit have uh, manipulated us thoroughly, um, uh, I, I, you know, I'm really interested to hear um, about your initial call into the mission field. Obviously, that was separate. Um, so that call and then what that looked like uh, together. How are you all called into the mission field? For me, it was just um, a restlessness as I was – I had a teaching degree and I was looking at all these places I could apply in the United States, and it just always that restlessness in my heart saying, this isn't what you're supposed to do. And so I, uh, I looked online, and there was one opening for English at Nicaragua Christian Academy, and I went for it and then promised my parents I was going to be back in two years um, and did not fulfill that promise. Um, but, yeah, it was just it was a true restlessness, lack of peace. Um, for me, it's very, very similar. Um, I was getting my education degree and went on a mission trip to Nicaragua, and they asked me to come teach there, and it just sounded, as a, as a single man, it sounded like a great adventure, and that's kind of what got me going there. We just got me started. Now, when you all went down, were, were you already able to speak Spanish, or were you, or you thought you could speak Spanish? We or, thought we yeah. could. You know, six years of high school and college, and then I get there, and I have no idea what anyone is saying. So that's a real thing, right? You know? <laughs> um, yeah, and then Mike didn't either, really. Yeah, I spoke some Spanish, you know. I, I knew a lot of nouns and stuff, but once you get into conversation and you start talking about just things that happened in the past or when it happened in the future, you just realize you're just really lost. It's hard, hard to communicate. And and tell, what's it like being a, a missionary family? I mean, your, your, your boys haven't known anything different. Right. Yeah, so we've, you know, our marriage has been there. Our family has been there. So we have a lot of fear, I think, in coming back, just about what that's going to look like. I mean, um, you know, you should have seen our kids in Target two weeks ago. They were just, what, Mom, they have all of this. You know, look, all these movies. And just, you know, these three women said, your kids are so happy. <laughs> it was like holy grail to them. Um, it has been a delight. Um, Nicaragua gives you slow time um, because there's not much to do, right? You know, so... We There's have nothing to There's do. There's nothing to do. <laughs> um, and so we are really together as a family, knit together in that sense, because there's so much time together. And you're kind of in everyone's everything. I mean, there are at least five people, you know, in and out of our house a day with just the process that is Nicaragua. It's a very relational culture. And so you better be ready for a visitor at any moment. You can't have the southern charm of having your house look good at all times. It just doesn't work out. And they won't leave. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, but it is, I mean, it's been a privilege um, because of that, that slow time. I don't know what you want to say about that. No, I, I really, I've learned, Nicaragua has taught me as much as, if I've taught anybody anything there, it's probably not as much as I've learned uh, from being there. It's helped me slow down. It's helped me to see people um, in a much richer sense, I believe. So... Um, just can you can you each give us uh, just two two stories of 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 people who um, and I'm not asking you to brag or boast, but people whose lives have been changed by Jesus because of of the ministry there. For me, I believe the young man I mentioned before, Ramon, um, he was just a just very humble guy who was, would never say anything to anybody. And I, th- I think just the, the nature of letting him teach or, and, and encouraging him in that has just made him 
made him come alive and made him see much more potential in himself than he, than he may have may not have seen before. And that's all Christ, you know. That was just the opportunities that that was given to him through the school. Um, and then I guess Jaime as well, right? Yeah. Some marriage and another young man that was one of my first teachers as well. Um, when he first came to me, um, I didn't realize that he had uh, two kids and a, a girlfriend. It wasn't his wife, um, but he had recently just like. Like most Nicaraguan young men, I don't want to paint an ugly picture of Nicaraguan men, but it's very, very common to uh, your girlfriend's pregnant and you leave her and you go on to somebody else. And then, I don't know, just through our relationship, he just decided one day they were going to get married. And they've been married and they have now they have three little kids. And um, it's, it's a great victory. Yeah. Um, I guess thinking about one would be Nueva Mahan. I mean, there are several pieces in there where you all of a sudden see these women shift from seeing themselves as almost not human to to a true creation of Christ. But um, the, the women this year have made ornaments, just felt ornaments. And I, in order to sell them, kind of made this little business card with their picture on it and just explaining the story of who they are. So one day I bring them in and I'm like, okay, you're going to hole punch these and you're going to put these on. You know, I'm just kind of explaining it like it's no big deal. And I look at the women, and they all have this card in their hands. They're just passing it out in awe um, that they have been printed on something. Um, and they could see their face with this pretty printing. Um, and just you, you immediately saw that shift of, of I'm, I'm valued. And, you know, all of them tearful um, at this shift, seeing, seeing who they are in Christ. Um, so that's beautiful. And then I guess... Marriage is, is a different thing in Nicaragua. It's not, um, they haven't had a good model for it. And so I think a lot, we've done a lot of marriage counseling and we've seen a lot of marriages shift um, in some sense because, you know, when Mike is coming up with a plan, he talks to me about it. That's shocking to them. Why did you talk to her about it? You know, why did you want her input? Um, and so several marriages along the way, you know, they're always asking us, why are you always talking about things? Why are you always asking forgiveness? You know, these things. And then um, that has changed, um, I would say, three or four marriages there just by seeing a model that's different. One thing that when, when I get to asked about um, in just general conversation, how many children do you have? And I'll, I'll, say, I'll say, I have three children with, you know, Lauren and I. And it's, the next question is always going to be, but how many do you have with other people as well? That, that's always the next question. That's a good like, question. <laughs> we weren't going to talk about this. No, it's, it's, I don't know, it's, just, it's very telling of, what they, of their expectation of a man. What's the perception of, I mean, 85% identifying with the Roman Catholic Church and 15% identifying with an evangelical church, but what's the general perception of, of the church, capital C, in Nicaragua? And how, how did that influence folks' views of you when you first arrived? Perception is very rules-based. So, you know, the Catholic Church has its set of rules that they're really strict about there, you know, showing up to these services, doing these processes, paying this amount. And then um, it's a little more of like the old-school Catholic Church of what you would think in in Latin America. And then the evangelical church, for whatever reason, started in in the 80s there, highly focused on rules. So the list for a Christian is no drinking, no smoking, no tattoos. 
And for girls, you need to wear skirts and no earrings. All the time, skirts, no matter what your job is. Um, and so, for example, the women in Nueva Mahan, almost all of them have tattoos. There is no church that will take them in. Um, and so, and then a lot of the men that we have worked with, you know, they were fearful they couldn't go because they had had a cigarette, you know, two days before. Um, and so we come in with this kind of picture of freedom in Christ, and it made them a little nervous, um, and, and probably still does make them a little nervous. Um, Mike has a tattoo. That's, you know, they're always shocked by it, or they want to make sure it's not Sharpie or marker. Um. Well, all the, te- the, t- the teachers that I work with are evangelical Christians in my, in my shop, and some of the young men who come in, the apprentices, um, they're young men who don't have any fathers. Sometimes a lot of them come from orphanages, and they'll have... One day, one of the young men, he went and got like four tattoos the night before. And he just, just very, um, he has a lot of trouble. Well, the teachers in my, in that are my teachers, were talking to him and you can't, you can't do that. You can't, you are, you are not a Christian if you have tattoos. And so I'm trying to mediate this. I'm like, on one hand, I don't want this guy going and getting, just getting random tattoos. But on the other hand, I want him to understand that he's being, he's loved and they're, and my, my teachers are telling him, if you have all this, you can't come to church. You, that's just ridiculous. And so I'm always kind of in between sometimes, trying to find. Now, a place. did, they, did, the, did the, the the teachers know that you had a tattoo when they were saying this? I I revealed, was that when you I, like threw your shirt off I, and you <laughs> said, "Behold!" Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, and I did, and I explained to them. Do you, do you want, they didn't know, but I and I did explain that to them, and they were there. You see, the gears in their head kind of stop. <laughs> it just doesn't make sense. That's interesting. Well, y'all, I'm sure y'all have questions for uh, Mike and Lauren. I'm not a ringer, I swear. Um, just kind of as a parish family, how can we support you in the transition? Because it's not easy. So what are maybe the top three things that make your stomach churn when you think about coming back to the States? And, how, and hopefully we'll be able to glean how we can pray specifically for you guys as a family. Thanks. Um, stomach churning. Um, it's fast here. It's very fast. Um, and we're going to miss the intense relational stuff. I mean, we're in a group of missionaries who are kind of all in battle together. Um, we're on each other's team so much. And, and that kind of daily sense of intense purpose. Um, fear losing that it's here i know it's here um but we fear losing it and um yeah just how to how to walk this through with our kids um maintaining their wonder um at life i guess for me a lot of people have jobs here (laughs) (laughs) so i'm kind of wondering what i'm going to do (laughs) and so I, honestly, I, I, faithful as God, as God sent me to Nicaragua, I am having faith that He's going to show me what to do here. But it is a, it is a great fear, especially leaving the country as a single man going to Nicaragua. That's fine, but coming back as a husband and father of three, that's a little more intense. So prayer for prayer for those things, and then you know when when you see us in six months, kind of the the real questions, right? You know, how are you really doing? Um, would be great. Lauren, I've watched you grow up, and I've watched your family, and I'm so moved by both of y'all's story, and I want to tell you 
how much we welcome you back. And we are thrilled, and I echo Becky's question, anything we can do. But no, you are loved. No matter where God is calling you guys to be planted, this will always be a church home of some sort for you guys. So um, we just can't wait to see you here, whatever that looks like, and I'm so grateful for your ministry. Thank you. Which one? Oh, where I was coming home and I said, oh, but wait, I have fallen in love. <laughs> and you really need to come meet him because I think I'm going to stick with this place. And then yeah. Barbara says, okay, you guys can get married as long as you don't have any children in Nicaragua. <laughs> and I said, I can't guarantee that. <laughs> And I'm glad I didn't. She showed up for all three of them, so it worked out. We've all changed, right? <laughs> well, I guess as someone that visited you, I guess, at least for me, the, the false impressions or the false ideas of, of going to a third world country and what to expect. But the, I guess the blessing for me was we went and we were told we're not going to do anything. You know, usually you go to build something or do something. And and I was struck by our first meeting with you as it was just a relational thing that we want to share who we are and thank you as the Advent for supporting us. But it, it immediately got down to the nitty-gritty of uh, how desperate you were and that you needed prayers. And and I guess pointing back to myself, as you know, I'm desperate and I need prayers. And, and I think as your sermon, we don't need help. We need a Savior. Mm-hmm. Guess that just struck me is how universal that is. That uh, it doesn't matter. You know, you're coming back to America, and it's <laughs> you didn't need the help. You need a savior. So uh, after you come back, surely you'll be approached by lots of people for advice considering missionary work. What will you tell them? Yeah, well, I think that the biggest thing I will tell them is, well, learn the language, okay? And then be, um, learn what works. And I, I think I'll say that because I think we've had to reshape our expectation of what a vocational school is or how marriages are going to look or, um, you know, how people are going to look in their churches. You've got to reframe it so that it doesn't fit this box, but it fits their box. So I, I think there's there's such a, a time of waiting and learning and being in a relationship so that you know um, that your expectations need to, to fit in that context, not your own. Does that make sense? Last one. What about encounters with other religions outside of the scope or lens of uh, Catholicism or Protestant Christianity, and what was your uh, result from those encounters? I don't know. We've had too many. There, are, there are a few. Um, like Methodists. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? We 
it's like it's like Baptist or Reformed Presbyterian there. Those are like the two missionaries. We're the only I'm the only Episcopalian that was in all of Nicaragua. That was a weird yeah. word for them. Um, but, uh, Islam is like thinking about making its way in there, but that is only because Ortega is really good friends with the Iranian president. And so there's like a mosque. It's really nice, but nobody goes. Um, and I think that's just culturally that's that's not their world. Um, Within the last few last few months, though, I have had some um, interactions with some Muslims. One guy from Lebanon and one guy from Palestine. It's been very interesting to talk to them, um, especially when they say, "What do you do?" Um, I tend to say, if I if I know somebody is a Muslim, I say I'm a blacksmith, because that that immediately there's, there's no barrier that comes up, and so I try to I try to present myself as um, maybe less threatening. But I've had some very I'm a giant guy who works with a forge and hammer and tongs. <laughs> Don't be threatened. That, that is less threatening somehow than saying you're a Christian, really. <laughs> um, well, we, uh, on that note. Uh, uh, I told you I should have said Yeah, right? no, that's all right. Uh, we're, we're thrilled. Uh, we really are thrilled that y'all are here. And um, sort of, uh, it, it's, we share with you and sort of the bittersweetness of of y'all making the transition, but but thrilled to have y'all here. And above all, just giving thanks to God that, um, you know, homegrown missionaries like like you. Uh, so it's, um, yes. Can I give a quick plug? No. Yes, Sandy. Yes, in the bookstore. Yeah, you can get some of this stuff in the bookstore. I okay. did. Okay, so you, we've got stuff in the bookstore that, that you can do. Made by the apprentices. Made by the apprentices. Okay. Well, let's pray. Uh, Lord Jesus, we thank you for those whom you have called into the mission field, Lord, whether that be in Birmingham, Alabama, in the office, or, Lord, whether it be in vocational training uh, in Nicaragua. Lord, we lift up to you those who are at uh, NCA, who are a part of the Apprentice and Vocational Training Program, who are uh, a part of this wonderful ministry of helping women uh, transition out of a life of prostitution. Lord, it is hard ministry, but Lord, we know with God nothing is impossible. All things are possible through Jesus Christ. And so we pray for Mike and Lauren and the ministry down there for their boys, for their family here. Lord, strengthen them, uh, guide them, and instill in them that peace which surpasses all understanding that comes through Christ Jesus our Lord, in whose name we pray. Amen.